Good evening and welcome to the Online Warriors podcast. As always, I am one of your hosts, Legal86, and I am joined by the vivacious Nerd Bomber. Shazam. Shazam, indeed. And the happy-go-lucky, carefree, effervescent Technic One. Captain Marvel. Get it? See what I did there? I see what you did there. see what you did there. Um, We're back. Uh, Spring has sprung. I feel like I probably started the podcast with that for like the past three episodes because spring keeps springing. Um, it's warm, it's lovely, and we got a lot to talk about today. So uh, let's just kind of kind of round it up with the "What are you up to Wednesday?" And I think I'm gonna start today, do it, which do I know it. is it's not what we usually do, but we're trying to keep things fresh for the listeners here at Online Warriors. We have a lot of long meetings where we talk about how to keep the listeners engaged. And uh, this is this is the result. Um, so I'm here to talk about my life, which I am kind of going to make my What Are You Up To Wednesday into a couple of recommendations. Um, first uh, uh, is a film. Uh, I haven't been seeing very many new movies lately, but I recently watched the classic uh, horror film, The Shining. Have you guys seen The Shining before? Yes, I have. Yep. What did you What did you think of this? I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but I've got a lot of thoughts. I mean, I en- I think I enjoyed it. I don't remember. I watched it a really long time ago. And it was one of those ones where it was like, it's a classic. You have to like it. So you don't really think too hard about it. You just watch it. So, yeah, so I don't think it was for me. That's where I am with it well, right now. think about when that came out. So our genre of horror films are more suspense, you know, in your face, loud bang to try to uh, make you Jump scared. In. That yeah. came out in the time when Pet Cemetery came out and... And these things were more psychological thrillers. They they weren't in your face. They were more like twisted, creepy, eerie, scary kind of movies. So very different than what we're exposed to as a horror genre of our generation. And I, like I'm okay with that aspect of like I read the book, and the book is like first of all the movie is quite different from the book, uh, which might have been one of the reasons I was disappointed. I read the book first, liked the book. I'm a big Stephen King guy. So I watched the movie and I was like, what is going on here? Um, also, some of the acting was a little hammy. And I will say, Jack Nicholson was fantastic. I think because he's actually literally insane. Like, you watch that movie and you're like, he's he's not even acting. He's just literally a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Um, it made a lot of interesting choices. There was a lot of very loud music. Like, you'd be listening to some dialogue and then they'd like play some music. And either, I was watching it at home. So either me and my girlfriend would be like, jeez, we got to turn it down because it's like, gonna shake the paintings off the walls um i don't know it was interesting i've watched a couple of stanley kubrick uh movies and i haven't really jived with them like at all so maybe he's just not for me he's too much of a uh he's too like what's the word you know how you watch an academy award winning movie and you're like i don't even know what this was it's kind of like that yeah i get that off the beaten path kind of like off the beaten path but also like I don't now I might upset some people by using the word pretentious but it felt pretty pretentious. Huh. It's like it's like what if we made a horror movie that was trying so hard to be art that it just annoyed uh, Legal 86 a lot. Well, and that's so what, that's what the movie was. The quote artistic point of view of that movie was really to take kind of winks at the book and and try to keep some of the references in the book alive from that imagery standpoint. So I don't I don't know that artistic is the right point of view or description. Yeah, I, I think that 
how do I put this? He's so first of all, Stanley Kubrick is known for being like super, super specific, and he like wears actors down because they he he does like a hundred thousand takes of one shot just to get it right. And the whole movie felt very like like during dialogue scenes, one person would say a line, and then there'd be a long pause, and then another person would say a line, and there'd be a long pause, and there'd just be like a shot of just like looking down a hallway for like. 20 seconds and i'm like what are we even looking at it's just like it's stuff like that where like yeah. the, the 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 scenery and the imagery was great but there's certain moments where you're like man he's just he's just being obnoxious he's just being an obnoxious filmmaker <laughs> um so that's how i felt about the shining uh not exactly a recommendation i guess because clearly i didn't care for it too much um the other recommendation i do have which i did like quite a bit is a game called Farpoint VR. I finished a video game, which... I feel like that's a new thing for you. Yeah, it's rare on this podcast, I will say. Uh, I feel like rarely do I come on here and say I finished a video game. I recently did it with Spider-Man, and I've now done it with Farpoint VR, which Farpoint VR was 1,000 million percent shorter, which is probably why. Um, Farpoint is super cool. I think I've mentioned it before. Because I got it for Christmas, and I'm just now finishing it. So that should, t- that should tell you what my video game pace is. But How many hours um, of gameplay was it? I do not know. I would Ballpark, probably between 8 and 12. It's like, it's it's a shorty. Um, it was great. It's So so Farpoint is, I had the aim controller. This is on the PS4, and I had the aim controller, and it's it's the full room VR experience. So, like, you don't really walk around, but you're, like, aiming and shooting at stuff, and the premise is that you're you've gone through a wormhole and you're like trapped on this planet that's like literally in another galaxy and you're like shooting creatures and like trying to find your way off the planet and pretty generic storyline wise but um the vr aspect of it was just you know i have limited exposure to that so it was like super super cool um i'd recommend it i'd I'd strongly recommend the aim controller though i can't imagine playing it with a regular controller it probably would not have been as fun actually you can't right go ahead how is the motion sickness problem um that okay that's a good question um so i have a lot of motion sickness issues it's one of the many reasons that i don't like flying on a plane um i get car sick very easily i don't like amusement parks very much but i had really no problem um i know that my girlfriend did try did try it and she was like i she was actually like five minutes and was like i cannot do this so it's definitely like a non-zero effect. Mm-hmm. It just it just didn't get to me for whatever reason. It might have helped that I was sitting down. Um, you can play it either standing up or sitting down. I opted for the sit down way, which is what I would recommend. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't have too much of an issue. I was surprised. Um, I have had issues occasionally with the with the VR with that, but they're actually pretty few and far between. I'm trying um, to think, I know. So there were some games where I didn't have any issues at all. And then I did try, oh shoot, Fire, Firewall uh, is the game that came with the AIM when we bought it. And it wasn't terrible, but I definitely had some like disorienting moments where, because you're like walking around. And right. I remember thinking like, I think I need to sit down because I feel kind of, like I wasn't nauseous. I just felt disoriented. It's definitely a weird feeling. So like, far and away the weirdest part of it is 
moving the control stick on the aim to walk and then not actually walking because obviously it looks like you're standing up and walking around that's the whole point of vr and it's super cool but it definitely takes some adjustment um i wonder if you like walk in place like if you like consciously try not to move forward but you just walk in place i wonder if that would make it any better there's definitely a chance of that um i when i first got the game i was definitely experimenting more with like okay what if i'm standing up but then I was like, just standing up for like an hour, and like, I just don't ever stand up that. Way. Like, you know what they say: sitting's the new smoking. So that's good for you. That is true. Um, probably like shortening my life so much every day by just like never being standing. Um, I don't regret it. I'm gonna live fast and die young. Um, in any case, my next VR experiment is going to be Doom VR, which is like Farpoint if Farpoint was injected with steroids and soundtracked by hard rock so we'll update um other than that i don't really have much in the way if you can if you can survive that and come up with some kind of a remedy to to solve with motion sickness type dealy let us as well as the listeners know so you suffer from it as well technically for me i don't suffer while playing but the second i take it off i'm like ungodly seasick it's i get that there's definitely a disorientation. Like, I, I don't think I've ever... It's not like a video game, a, a standard video game where you can, like... Like, I would play Spider-Man for, like, two hours and, like, not even feel it. Because that game... First of all, that game's amazing. But second of all, it's just you're looking at a screen. I don't think I ever played Farpoint for more than an hour at a time, which probably explains why it took me so long to finish it when it was, like, a super short campaign. Um, I just don't... I don't even know if I could handle playing it for more than an hour. Wouldn't recommend it uh, if you're thinking about it. But uh, yeah, I'll update on the on the Doom experience. Um, what about y'all? What have you been up to? Um, well, I guess I'll go. So I started playing The Walking Dead, uh, the final season, the Telltale game. Or really, I should call it Skybound because Telltale went defunct and then they saved the game. Um, and so far, I'm only two episodes in. There's four in total. And I'm really enjoying it, and I'm kind of sad. Like, I have a feeling that I know where the ending is going to take me. And I I have, like, avoided the internet to try to make sure that I don't spoil it for myself. Because they just released the final episode, I think it was last week. So, I'm just having a lot of fun with it. Embracing spending my last few episodes with Clementine. Trying not to be a jerk to people. Because that's the character that I've always played her as. And just having a lot of fun with it. So it doesn't track with the show at all, correct? No. I, have you played any of the Walking Dead games? I have not. I, I'm. This is probably one on the super long list of games that you have recommended to me that I have not played. So I'd have to recommend if you ever do play, um, go in as blind as you can. I feel like it's kind of hard at this point because the first game or the first season came out so long ago, but there's just so much about the game that it's just amazing storytelling. Like it's more of a cinematic experience, I would say, than it is a really like interactive game type feel. Like Tactic has been watching me play. I know he played the first season and part of the second season, so he has kind of like some familiarity with the characters. 
And it's just something like you can play together and make decisions as you go together. And it's not like super stressful. And each episode is only like two hours. You can kind of, it's like a little movie snippet every time. For me, I am a very animated gamer. And and what I mean by that is I'm jerking, I'm, I'm tilted, craning my neck around to try to get a better view. You know, all the stereotypical things that, that people do when they're playing to quote, give them an advantage that don't actually do anything. Right. And this was the game that I played after I got my gallbladder removed because it is like a movie that you, you follow through the choices and, and play it that way as opposed to the aggressive button mashing and neck craning. Which I so if you do. played like Rocket League after you got your gallbladder removed, you would have like I probably ripped open like a ripped scar open. or something. Yeah. Jeez. You go, you go hard, man. Yeah, I get sweaty. Um, how many episodes total? I mean, how many seasons, how many episodes are we talking about here? So I want to say there's four total in, in terms of uh, the different seasons. And I think the episode count varies from season to season. So like this final season, um, there's only four. But part of that was just because Telltale was in financial trouble and they just wanted to kind of get it out the door. So I think they kind of condensed the story as much as they could. Um but, that's still a huge amount of content. Didn't you say it's like two hours an episode? That's still right. a lot of so content. Right, so each season is somewhere around like 10 to 15 hours of content. Wowie. And I mean, granted, I've played them over the years. I don't even remember. I think the first game came out maybe in 2014. I could be totally off base. But it was like a decent chunk of time ago. And... Huh, interesting. So it sounds like a pretty big commitment, but you're 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 really selling it. Um, I'm looking up when the first season was. I have my research department on it. 2012. 2012. Wow. Is apparently when it started. Um, and yeah, the first season was five episodes. So yeah, like ten hours. That's pretty intense. Are, is this like a shooting situation? What are, there's no. It's it's less actiony and more decisiony. It sounds like. Right. So there's a lot of. Um... Like, there's dialogue choices, so someone will say something, and you have, like, 15 seconds to try to answer them and choose between four different things. And depending on how you answer, that'll kind of shape the story in a different way. There are a few, like, quick time event type deals. Those I kind of suck at, because you spend a lot of the time interacting with dialogue, and then all of a sudden there's, like, this fast-paced thing. And I can Trying to never, catch you off guard. I can never remember what buttons are where. And so I ended up just, like, hitting the wrong thing or not being fast enough because I'm not expecting it. But and, like, blowing somebody's part, head off? Like, 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 are these, like, devastating choices where, like, you kill people if you do it wrong? Well, I mean, you get, like, eaten by a zombie kind of thing. Oh, yeah, that seems pretty bad. So, yeah. But I, I would definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't. I, I think with your penchant for storytelling and... Cinematic. Just, yeah, the cinematic. When you said that word. Yeah. I think you would be really invested in the stories and the characters and the fact that you basically get to just live through a movie and shape the decisions and how it turns out is pretty fun. I enjoyed it. I definitely dig like the choose your own adventure kind of mechanic. But, like, I don't think that's used enough because like, there's a couple games I've played where that's kind of prominent. Like Quantum Break comes to mind where you have those choice points. Uh, there's uh, The Last of Us, that horror game that you never finished. I haven't uh, even not, started that yet. Not, not The Last of Us. But I always get the name wrong. We talked about this on the last podcast and couldn't figure out the name. The one with the with oh, the girl. Until Dawn? 
what, what's it called? Until Dawn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, that one has some of those choice points as well. Um, I like stuff like that. I don't, I don't think that happens enough. So, duly noted. And I just think, like, so Telltale, I know we discussed it when they went under, um, but I really thought it was interesting. So the employees of Telltale who are working on The Walking Dead, the final season, like, they've been invested in Clementine as the main character throughout most of the games. And they were really invested in just finishing off her story. So when Telltale closed, I thought it was really interesting how Robert Kirkman was so dedicated to seeing the end of this character that they all loved that he actually hired the developers who were from Telltale working on the game, brought them into Skybound, his own um, basically branch of his company that is dedicated to games, and allowed them to finish it. Bought the rights from Telltale and finished the game, so... I'm excited and good to support those developers because I know they put a lot of hard work and effort into the game. That's certainly indicative of, of a pretty high level of dedication to a character or a storyline, which is certainly something you like to see if you're if you're me at least. Um, Tech Tech, what about you? What's what's the scoop? So, I've just been kind of floating around these past two weeks, honestly. Like I literally. Didn't... Yeah, I've been enjoying watching the Walking Dead game that Nerd Bomber has been playing. Um, still chipping away at little landscaping projects around the house, but the uh, I mean around the yard. But the weather's been crappy, so it's just kind of been floating around. Nothing crazy. The most exciting thing, which is a perfect segue into one of our topics, is we did go and see the new Shazam movie. Okay, so before you, I, I assume you have a lot to say. Uh, I have not seen it yet, so de-spoilerify as, as possible I think your there's analysis. a lot of good ways to talk about this movie without even addressing the plot, necessarily. There's some big things that I know um, I'll try to keep Tectic in check about. Um, some One of the bigger reveals towards the end. I'll try to keep him under wraps. Dude, stop saying there's a reveal at the end. Well, I mean, every movie has a big reveal at the end. They're all superhero movies. That's how it works. Um, um, and I've heard it's amazing, so I probably will see it at some point. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. I will start out by saying, um, so we are big Chuck fans. I am a huge Chuck fan. It's been really rewarding to see um, both Zach Levi and... Yvonne Sapovsky have really like good and developed careers over the last few years because um, Yvonne Sapovsky has obviously been in The Handmaid's Tale and Zachary Levi um, so I've obviously followed a lot of the Chuck cast he uh, had a fundraiser organization called Nerd HQ and every year they would go to San Diego Comic Con and raise money for the Smile Foundation And just, he's a really big nerd in a good way, like super invested in comic book characters, super invested in video games, and just super involved in nerd culture. Isn't he invested in wine too? Um, He did collaborate with Stephen Amell to create the Nerd HQ wine, which we do have. Um, But it was just. Wine? Like like you drink? Oh, yeah. Yes. Red wine or white wine? It was a pink wine, actually. A rose. Interesting. Yeah. Um,. But it was just really cool to see somebody who you know is so invested in comic book characters and comic book lore um, just become one of the characters. I thought that was really cool. And I thought he was a perfect fit for the movie because it was very 
most of the DC movies are like really dark and kind of the exact opposite of every Marvel movie I think I've seen for the most part. And right. this is one of, besides Aquaman, the first DC movies that was really just like light and entertaining. It had a lot of good heart. Well, so here's my comment with respect to that. Um, Marvel does lighthearted well. DC gen- generally, when they do this lighthearted kind of funny type movies, it's awkward. It seems forced. The humor's not there. This, I will say, this one seemed natural and it was it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, because that was how Aquaman. So I did see Aquaman, and like, you're right that Aquaman definitely like took a lighter route than like Justice League and Batman for Superman and everything. I still didn't like it because it was just like it felt awkward and none of the humor was really that funny and like I don't know I like Shazam seems good to me knowing not pretty much nothing about the story it seems like it has such a good heart like it seems it seems like it really cares deeply about um this idea of like this kid can become this superhero and and it's so fun in all the ways you would expect would you say it's pure of heart (laughs) i've seen the movie Uh uh-huh I would, I mean, without having seen the movie, I, it seems that way. Like, having watched the trailers and, like like you said, knowing Zachary Levy's background and, like, how, I mean, how fun must it have been for him to play that role and be that role for, for kids and for everyone? Like, yeah, it just seems like it had a lot of that going on. And honestly, speaking of having, like, the kid-oriented aspect to it, what is really the last superhero movie that's really been kid-oriented? Uh, oh boy, I can answer this. Maybe Spider-Man. I was gonna say Spider-Man. That was like that was my first because he's like in high school, right? Like so that's like kind of the the root there. Otherwise, it's like Iron Man's like forty. It's like I'm not forty yet. I can't be Iron Man. And I mean, uh, even like all of the other Marvel movies, they're relatively like high violence high they have like adult content almost like there's more on like kind of pg-13 content where i felt like shazam you could take your kids to go see yeah it definitely it does seem more and again my perspective is fully informed by marketing material but it does seem more on that end of like oh this kid because the idea like correct me if i'm wrong the kid says Shazam and turns into Zachary Levy, right? And he's like a superhero who can like do a bunch of stuff. Yep. That's like the basic gist. So like, I mean, and that like that is a premise right there that's like totally geared towards kids. So like, all of the marketing material that I saw was like, hey, take your kid and see this movie, because I'm sure this kid like would love to have this power. You know, like what was the one with the? And this is not a good movie and probably not a good comparison to draw. What's the one where the kid uh, gets Shazam or to get Shaq to come out of the lamp? Isn't that like a similar thing? I like think he, it's like, also called Shazam. I think I th- it's like it's Shazam. Or, yeah, like Kazam or something. Like so, movies like that, you know? We need more of those. This, so it was funny that you mentioned this because there's that, I forgot what the, the effect is, but it's. There, everyone thinks that there is a movie starring Sinbad called Shazam or Kazam or something like that, and it doesn't exist. And it blows my mind because I the remember Mandela effect. the Mandela effect. Exactly. Yeah. And like I 100% remember this movie existing, and it does not exist. Sinbad was a genie, wasn't he? 
This was like a thing I, that happened. I don't know. I mean, I I just looked up Kazam because it is called Kazam. It came out in 1996. That's the movie with Shaq, and he actually he doesn't come out of a lamp. He's a genie that comes out of a magic boombox and and grants the boy three wishes. Uh, it grossed 19 million of its 20 million dollar budget, so it was a failure. Uh, Shazam is doing much much better than that, as far as I understand. Um, but yeah, like it it just seems like. If I remember correctly, I looked up at the like the Rotten Tomatoes consensus because I just I do that whenever a movie comes out, and the term that it used was uh, wish fulfillment as like something that superhero movies have arguably forgotten about is like this idea that they're supposed to be about wish fulfillment of like a kid being like I wish I had this power or I wish I was this hero, like the Marvel movies don't deal with that anymore. The Marvel movies are like here's all these heroes that are established, let's make them fight, you know. Um, so I think like to me like I don't know how the movie is written I don't know how the plot lays out at all but like the premise kind of encourages that kind of sense of wonderment of like no oh, this kid suddenly has all these powers what's he going to do with them yeah I, it was definitely as someone who has commented multiple times that they're burned out on the whole superhero movie genre just from too many Marvel movies and now I feel like everything is just this weird interconnected dark plot that I'm just ready to be done with. This was super refreshing and I did not feel like it almost felt like a completely separate thing. Like I could walk out of this movie saying, hey, I really like superhero movies again. So what 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 is the extent and I this is like a super spoilery inviting question, so feel free to not answer, but like what is the extent that Shazam is trying to like tie in with Almost the 0%. failing DC, yeah, because like that's it, if if I was a DC movie director or writer, my goal at this point would be I want to distance myself from the train wreck that is the rest of these movies. Like there so, are some winks, and I think they even showed it in a trailer. Like there are some winks, like oh hey, I have Superman's bullet, like when right. he meets one of the other kids in the movie. So like they make reference to those characters being there, but they don't really tie in at all. And honestly, it's more just like it could have been like a pop culture thing at like the very broadest level. Like it, they did not really intersect with the DC universe at all. And I think that's what's needed. But like, and, and this is true of Marvel as well. Is like, I I I, I hope very much when Endgame comes out, which is in like a couple weeks, by the way. Um, I hope that after that movie happens. Marvel is as an entity is kind of like all right let's let's take a break and like move back to stories that are at least remotely self-contained. Do you because... know what's kind of interesting? And this is this is probably super far-fetched, but so Marvel, as much as we want to hate the thought of this, is going to continue expanding and continue making movies because they're Forever. making millions. Yeah. Okay. Money talks. Billions. Right. And. One thing that I think would be a totally unforeseen spin is instead of Marvel versus Marvel versus like all these different villains, what if they did something like Marvel versus Capcom type dealy, where they like introduced alternate universes into it? I think so. I like the idea on paper. Um, the, the rights to character. I mean, Spider-Man's rights are already tangled up. Like, huh. how are you going to get all the rights to, like, all these different characters? And, like, 
I feel like the, from the business end, it's a nightmare. From a like wanting to see it end, I'm definitely on board. Um, I just want more self-contained movies again. That's yeah, all right. I want. Live action that, Mega Man. That would actually be pretty cool. But that's that's the point I was trying to get get at was like I hope that after Endgame they they shift back to more like all right let's let's make some self-contained movies that don't have these constraints because the other big thing about it is that when you're writing a a movie when you're writing Captain Marvel for example you're probably being told by Kevin Feige and a bunch of other really important really rich people like okay there's a bunch of things you need to include in this movie there's a bunch of there's basically an electric fence that you have to stay within in terms of time period in terms of what happens to the characters etc etc it would be so refreshing to have a superhero movie that was not that that was just we are going to be what we're going to be and we don't care what anyone else is i mean isn't that why deadpool was so successful it really it, it well that's a perfect example because it, it really is like the any any quote-unquote tie-ins that it made with x-men and, and like that whole franchise was like tongue-in-cheek of like we're not going to adhere to that we're not going to be that we're going to make fun of that if anything you know so like that is a huge part of its success, I think. I think I think probably the larger part of it is, of its success is that it was playing to a different R-rated market and like sense of humor. But like that is that was definitely a big part is that it was more self-contained and it didn't have these aspirations to fold its protagonist into this super team of like you know Avengers or Justice Leaguers or whatever. Do you think we um, all have like Stockholm syndrome at this point? Like, Marvel just has us. Like, we love our captors because we have to see what's happening and, like, we're this invested. But nobody actually really likes it that much anymore. Uh, I, I, yeah, I I don't know if Stockholm Syndrome is the word I would use, but, like, I I can, there's for sure a Marvel fatigue. Like, if you asked the general populace, are you tired of Marvel movies? At least 75% would say yes. But yet we all keep going back for more. Right. We all go and like, I'm tired of them, but I'm going to go see Endgame and I'm I'm really excited for Endgame. I think it's going to be amazing. But at the same time, like they're on this like schedule at this point of like once every couple months, here's the experience you're getting. I think like, I think movies like Avengers and like Avengers Endgame and like those team up movies do enough unique things where they they differentiate themselves and become much more exciting and also like endgame you're going to see people die which i think is like something i've been wanting as dark <laughs> as that is like i want like let's spin the field a little bit we know it's going to happen these contracts are up i want to see captain america get punched so hard in the yes. face that like his brain pops out absolutely you know? like it's like, an iron man i love iron man but like it is time for him to die I thought he was going to die in the last movie, and he basically did. And then they were like, nah, we can't kill him yet. She's like, come on, just kill him. We know it's coming, just do it. What are you, what are you afraid of? Um, anyways, back to Shazam. Uh, kind of took a bit of a tangent there. but So you guys, like, we're talking like five out of five territory for you guys. You guys, it seemed like you really liked it. I'm going to do it out of ten. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an eight out of ten. Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I think I'm around the same place. So I, I really liked it, but just where I'm at in, in terms of my movie fatigue, I think I'm reserving like those nines and tens for stuff that really does something different. And I don't think Shazam really didn't do anything different. It was just a return to form for superhero movies, which is called for in today's movie climate. 
So there it really succeeded. It did everything really well, but it wasn't groundbreaking. Duly noted. Uh, I will possibly give my update if I see it. I, I'll probably have seen it by the time we do our next episode. And I can give a brief shout out and give my out of 10 mark as well. Um, let's, let's stay on the movie track quick. Um, and actually, let's stay in the DC universe quick and talk about this Joker trailer. Um, mm. th- this was, I think, last week that this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so wildly unconventional. Like that. That's that's like the only thing I have to say about so it. So, like, can I just make just... a super bold statement? Please, I, I love bold statements. I feel that this is going to be the best Joker impersonation that we've seen. Now, here's Boy, why. That's hard to imagine, but but okay. Here's why. The Joker is chaotic evil, okay? There's no ever rhyme or reason. And so the early Jokers were always, I'm a thief kind of standpoint. Then you got into the more psychotic Jokers when you, when you move towards Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger. But Jack Nicholson, it just seemed more like he was just redoing the Shining role, which nothing really new there then Heath Ledger well, wasn't, wasn't he more of like a mobster kind of guy? like I, I never saw the Jack Nicholson he one, tried but... being a little kooky crazy and random but it was it was yeah it was more just like a rob it was more like of the boss. traditional robber but a little bit of crazy shining mix into there right. um so then the first real chaotic bad that we saw was Heath Ledger which I currently will stand is the best one that we've seen at this point I don't even want to talk about oh, the ones that easily. came after Easily. So um, we're just gonna pretend Gerald, Jared Leto just didn't exist. I, think, I would prefer to. I think, I think, think we're all in agreement of like that. Like that just yeah. never happened. Um. So. God, the grills. The the biggest takeaway <laughs> in this trailer is, and and the thing that I kind of honed in on is, is they almost show this kind of Oedipus relationship with his mother, where it's like borderline creepy. But he sees it as status quo, which which plays into the psychosis beautifully, beautifully. I I definitely agree that like I think, in terms of like seeing a person who is actually disturbed, like like obviously Heath Ledger's Joker was super disturbed, and like Heath Ledger we know now had his demons that were associated with playing that role, but like that was in a sense more of this like giddy very animated very maniacal kind of kind of portrayal this is going to be more like he's just i mean the trailer he's just a depressed guy it's going to be dark it's going to be very dark and i'm very excited for it it's going to be super dark it's going to be totally different i think this is the the joker that we're finally going to see him wear someone else's face does he do that in the comics yeah like permanently like he sews it on or like yeah. he oh god you're Oof. you still you're not a comic reader right no i own three comic books man i am going to suggest to you some really good joker com- comics just batman comics where the joker is just really messed up and i just urge you to read them i mean it's super disturbing but also like amazing yeah now offshoot question uh, based partly on my playing of the Batman video games, the Red Hood is also the Joker, right? No. Or am I wrong? Well, no? which Red Hood? There's two Red Hoods. Okay, I'm going to hashtag spoiler. 
in if you haven't played this game, which is many years old at this point, there's a spoiler incoming. It's wait, is the Red Hood in the game? I so, thought they just like reference. Well, no, this is this is just a comic book. So the Red yeah, Hood, the Red Hood, yeah. is originally Joker. Joker is a just a thief. Not even he's a he's a regular guy who there was a serial thief that wasn't a real person, and they they made him wear this mantle to run a robbery. And when he was wearing this mantle, he got then kicked into the vat and became the Joker. But he was under the guise of the Red Hood at that time. Right, I guess. I knew there was like, he, there's like a, if he kicks into like a vat of acid or something and yeah. like burns his face off. So fast forward to the future where there's Robin and Batman. And Robin at the time is played by Jason Todd. And Jason Todd gets beaten to death with a crowbar by the Joker. Okay. Yeah. Then he gets brought back to life by Raja Ghoul, who he doesn't come back the same. He kind of comes back cynical, and he's not afraid to kill bad guys at this point. And for symbolic purposes, he takes on the guise of the Red Hood. I see. Well, I, in fairness, if I had been killed and brought back to life, I would probably be no longer afraid to kill people, like having been dead. You know, mm-hmm. so okay. Question: Do you think that Joaquin Phoenix is going to get kicked into a vat of acid at any point during this movie? I hope so. I don't even like. I don't know. Like again, watching the trailer, it's like not a lot happens. It's just like a guy being depressed and like getting into random fights on the subway. Like I hope that's. I really. So here's here's where I'm nervous. I hope that's like the first thirty minutes of the movie. And then you hope it like it, it takes off and he like becomes a, a crime guy. So I hope he, I hope it ends with him finally to being the Joker, and it's all and and the the call it the hour between the first thirty minutes of depressed guy is him building up to his quote final form. I yeah like it the idea in general of like an origin story for a villain specifically the Joker, is like whoever came up with that idea at, at the DC whatever offices, it's brilliant. It's a great idea. Because he's like one of the most captivating villains like ever. Like how how have we not seen that movie yet? Is the question that I ask myself. Well we have now, have, yes have we seen no. it? He's always in every cinematic experience the Joker is always a secondary character. While he might play a big part and is basically like Batman's foil, we've never actually seen his origin story more than just like a five-minute maybe montage snippet thing. Yeah, like I, I think devoting an entire movie to it has like a huge amount of potential. And like get also getting Joaquin Phoenix, who I believe won an Oscar for the Johnny Cash movie. Like he's a widely so, renowned is like a great actor i recommend watching the reason why i say we have is not because of the classic live action ones the if you want to watch a movie kind of about the joker's origin story it's super dark uh it's called batman the killing joke it shows the joker's origin where he's under the guise of the red hood it shows the vat he rapes barbara gordon he paralyzes her like it's it's very dark and honestly the voice acting 
And I know that we just talked about some really dark stuff, but the voice acting too, Mark Hamill plays the Joker, and arguably, I think... So when you think about, like, the best Jokers that have ever, like, the best actors for the Joker, you usually think of the live-action roles. But I think Mark Hamill is honestly one of the best Jokers to date. His oh, he was great acting, in the games. In the games, he's been in so many of the animated features. He is just one of the most dynamic Jokers out there. I can't imagine him in the live-action role just because, I mean... Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you'd see his face and it would be done. But... Yeah. Incidentally, Mark Hamill, and this is probably how he nailed down the voice role they just announced like last week or something, the new Chucky movie, he's the voice of Chucky. Mark Hamill has a really extensive voice acting career. Which is really smart when you think of because like he he's Luke Skywalker, he probably gets was getting like typecast and he was like, you know what? Forget this. I'm gonna be a voice actor where I can't be as easily typecast and just be the freaking Joker. Like Yeah. Shout out to Mark Hamill. He's doing it right. Um, when does uh, I, I always want to like close up these movie discussions with like the Joker will be released on blah blah blah. But I don't know, so I'm going to Google it really quick. Um, the Joker movie is releasing on October fourth, twenty nineteen. So unfortunately, we have quite a while to wait. But honestly, um, I feel like that's a really good timing. It's going to oh, be yeah. kind of creepy, and they're doing it right around Halloween, and I just feel like that's such a good time slot for it. People also search for Batman the Killing Joke. It's right here. So. I could tell you it will be in my fantasy movie like League Pick. I think, honestly, I think it could be at, like the sleeper hit. Even in a year when Avengers Endgame is coming out, I think that would be one of like the biggest superhero realm movies to come out this year. I hope that I hope that's true. Because again, I, I think I think the idea of it is incredibly good. Um, so I hope it hope it works out. See, just um, these comic movies in general, there's so much good story to draw from. Like, there's such an extensive history of comic book characters, comic book villains. And I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. And just seeing them do something new in the cinematic space, I think is fantastic. Right. And, and, and I, like, I think that one of the reasons that they're so successful is that there is that huge depth of material to draw on. But... The, the genre has stagnated, I think, into at, to this point where they're all the same and they're drawing on that source material very lazily. Um, so seeing something fresh, you know, something like an origin story for a villain is, I think, what the genre needs. So Agreed. Check it out. October 4th, 2019. Um, we don't have much time to talk about Antonio Brown, but I feel like we should talk about Antonio Brown. Um, Tactic told me before this we started recording this that he didn't know what Antonio Brown had had done, or I guess what the latest thing he had done. What has is. he done? What hasn't he done lately? Is the real um, question. So basically, Antonio Brown was a, was a wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was his his second wide receiver. The guy next to him was Juju Smith-Schuster, who's like twenty years old. He's like basically a kid, uh, super beloved by the franchise great player i had him in at least one of my fantasy leagues he's amazing um he happened to fumble on their last game of the season and it cost him the game and theoretically the playoffs um which obviously you know upset him and was probably a hard thing for him to come back from and uh you know basically antonio brown's just like dragging him through the mud for it i, I i'm trying to look up the entire story now 
because I don't even know how it started. I just know where we are. So right now, now the post that he directly posted about Juju Smith-Schuster, his last one, has been deleted. But it all started with Antonio Brown basically saying, like, keep your feelings off the internet or keep your emotions off the internet, something like that. Yeah. And then he went on his normal thing basically saying, like, oh, Steelers fans are just being overly emotional and need to move on. And then somebody called him out then saying that, um, because Juju Smith-Schuster was voted the team MVP at the end of the year. So then he says... He replies to that tweet and says, Emotion, boy fumbled the whole postseason in the biggest game of the year. Everyone went blind too busy making guys famous. Not enough reality these days. By the way, check the list. So then Juju Smith-Schuster pretty much said, I don't understand why, like, I've never done anything but respect this guy. I don't understand why he's attacking me out of nowhere. Basically, then subtweeted and said, keep your emotions off the internet. And so then, weirdly enough, Antonio Brown screenshotted a um This is the funniest part to me. Yeah. And I'm not really sure what his point was, but when Juju Smith-Schuster was in college, he had DM'd Antonio Brown basically saying, hey, really respect you, you're a great guy on and off the field, and any tips for a college receiver, paraphrasing here, um, who wants to elevate his game. And somehow, I I don't know how Antonio Brown thought he was insulting Juju by screenshotting that and posting it, but it really backfired because everyone was like, okay, so you're basically proving that he is respectful and did nothing but look up to you? Like, what is yeah, your he, point here, buddy? He literally used the word respect in the message. Like, I respect you. And for some reason, Antonio Brown was like, this guy, is, you know, like, you like drag me through the mud and like so he like posted this screenshot and everyone's like what is th- this whole thing is like antonio brown has a warped mind like it, juju's it asking seems the question to me that he's jealous that he didn't get mvp and he's saying i should have got mvp look this guy looks up to me and you guys called him mvp well his ego can be seen from space yeah and c- coupling that with the amount of like head trauma that this guy has sustained it's not far to say, like, like Juju Smith-Schuster is asking this question of, like, hey, man, what did I ever do to you? And you know what the answer is? It's nothing. Not, nothing. It's Honestly. just, and he's just, um, Antonio Brown's just a head case. He has since been traded to the Oakland Raiders, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that. Um, but, like, so even he... um, someone posted a video in reply to Antonio Brown's tweet, and Antonio Brown got, like, a really nasty hit to the head. And the next play, Juju Smith-Schuster basically tried to retaliate and stand up for him so it's like yeah. dude this guy had your back and like only looked up to you what are you doing one of the things that juju is known for i think is that because that hit he laid that hit on the guy that hit antonio brown is a notor vante's perfect if you're an nfl fan Not- like notably notoriously dirty player who just like goes for head shots and like tries to twist guys ankles and stuff so he lays out antonio brown the next play juju lays him out it draws a, I think, a great home crowd reaction. Everyone's like, "Yeah, you know, stand up for your, for your, for your buddies." And then Antonio Brown turns around and is like, "No, I hate this guy." It's all very interesting, you know. Antonio but, Brown also can't seem to get over the whole Buffalo thing, and I'm not really sure why. Like, yeah, he's I'm still posting stuff about Buffalo. He's still posting about it. Yeah, I, I don't get that either. I, I'm just now scrolling through his Twitter for the first time in quite a while, 
and there's still like yeah you like retweeted buffalo rumbling like he's just i don't get it let it go man it almost seems to me like maybe he wasn't the reason the buffalo thing fell through because why would you be so hung up on it i'm so confused i mean as a buffalo fan antonio i'm talking to you now antonio if you're listening i assume you're listening we've moved on and you're, we dodged a bullet. Holy crap. Yeah, we're we're happy to have moved on. You're welcome to to move on as well. In fact, I encourage you to do so. Um, so that has been your sports online warrior sports update. I think we have one other news point about something that we're super excited about over here. It's not really a news point, just wanted to mention that at PAX East, Borderlands 3 was announced. They gave it a trailer. They gave it a release date coming out this fall. And I'm just super pumped about it. I feel like it was one of my favorite games. We played it together when we first started dating. Couch co-op. It's one of the few games that still has couch co-op. It's like a good 50 plus hours of game. And they have guns with legs. Guns with legs. So it's like a romantic thing. Yeah, the guns with legs. That's the romantic, right, that's the romantic part. I played Borderlands 1 and didn't finish it, but that's admittedly because of the game. I played it with my brother, which was, I do have fond memories of that, couch co-op, but it was super long. I do remember that. It was very long. Had a lot of fun. Yeah. Borderlands 3. A lot of content. <clears throat> so uh, when does that drop? Oh, man. I know. Question I want to say it was like maybe September. I should look this up real quick. Let's take a look. While we look up the release date of that game, there was also a potential leak on a couple other games for the Nintendo Switch. Go on. (laughs) Sorry, I thought you were going to segue in. I Um, mean, I'm happy to. So, a combined Metroid Prime trilogy is one that I'm super hyped about. I, I haven't seen a good Metroid Prime title release since the GameCube for those of you who remember that one um, oh, yes I, I know Metroid 4 is coming out um, soon but maybe I, yeah we'll see I guess so there's that there's also uh, potentially Link a Link to the Past or Zelda a Link to the Past um, and Wind Walker so a couple, couple different games and I'm excited to that. I, I I like the Zelda trilogy and I like the Metroid trilogy and I think that they're both kind of staples for the Nintendo console. So let's go. Borderlands is September 13th. It was so hard to find that. It took like a really long time for me to find the release date. Supposedly it's September 13th. Um, I love Metroid Prime. That is my response to <laughs> everything you just said. Might buy a Switch. We were talking before this. I might buy a Switch just to play Metroid Prime again. Like, that's a good enough reason for me to buy a multi-hundred dollar console. I mean, I think, didn't we even get you a GameCube so that you could play Metroid? Oh, and I've since played it with that GameCube, so thank you. Uh, I think I played all the two of them that are on the GameCube. I think I played them all the way through. Because at this point, I've played those games through, like, probably ten times each. But they get better. They get better with age. Like a fine wine. I would strongly encourage it for anyone who is looking for an oldie but a goodie. Um, 
to wrap up, let's let's recap. Ooh, this is exciting for me. Uh, guys, season two of the Fantasy Movie League has begun. Um, I, I will say, a little disappointed in the fans. No one else has joined. It's still just us three. Come on, guys. We're you know, inviting you. This is, it's supposed to be special. I think maybe they're just scared of our great movie knowledge and prowess. Well, with that said, let's take a look at the leaderboard. Uh, we are through two weeks of season two right now. We're headed into week three. And uh, can one of you tell me who has won both weeks? All right. So Illegal is currently in the lead in our league. Crushing he has won it. both weeks so far. Um, oh yeah, but I'm just waiting for that other shoe to drop and him to just forget to set a lineup some week. That yeah, that's always a risk. You, you know, that's in terms of like things that I'm threatened by right now in this league. Number one is definitely me forgetting to set a lineup. Um, also worth noting, week two was extremely close across the board. Like I think I barely, barely beat Nerd Bomber. Yeah, I beat her by less than a million dollars, just about a half million dollars. Uh, week one, though, I blew the doors off the competition. I will say that much. Um, stay tuned for more updates as I try to go for the clean sweep 10 for 10. Uh, it's never going to happen. I will I will say that. Um, what do you think was your biggest surprise in the last couple of weeks in terms of the movie performances that we've seen? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, ha- I do have to say that the week that I did as well as I did, um, I had five screens showing five feet apart, which looks like basically, apologies in advance if you really enjoyed this movie, but it looks like a Fault in Our Stars knockoff. Um, Bless you. It just, it just, <laughs> wow, he's really going for it over there. Um, it happened to be the right price point for me to just pick us and Captain Marvel and then fill the rest of my screens efficiently i knew i wanted both of those movies and then after that whatever happened happened um so i guess it was surprising for me that that was seemingly the x factor that caused me to do as well as i did uh week two i placed a gamble on this move i i I have this like strategy going right now i don't want to give away too much of my strategy but if you look at the past two weeks my clear strategy is to pick like two to three movies that i think are going to be good and, and then, just go ham. And then, like, the rest of the, the other five are the same movie that's probably not very good. Um, so that's working out. Uh, feel free to steal that strategy, but you'll never do it better than me. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. There was one week last quote-unquote season where I had the perfect lineup. Yeah, you literally, you were, like... You were like, the only reason you weren't best on the website was because of the tiebreaker, right? Yep. Yeah, which like, wow. I've never even sniffed that. Like I always, whenever I look at my week, like total, it's like, oh, you could have, if you played this, you would have made double. And I'm like, what the? And it's like, it's like Bohemian Rhapsody seven times. And then like, what? It's like, how do you, I don't even know that movie's making money. See, Uh, there's, there's a clear cut strategy. And I don't want to give mine away because every now and then I'll hit big and it'll work out for me, but it involves a lot of research. And that, that's part of the reason I've been slacking and falling behind. I just haven't had the time to do the research. Yeah. My research is typically a 
two to three minute process. I'll, I'll out myself there and, and just say that as effort, and if, if any of you are afraid to join because you're afraid it's going to be too much effort to keep up with the, with the big boys, I wouldn't worry about it too much. That's, especially since I'll probably miss a week. Like, that'll give you an instant leg up on the competition. Um, so we'd love to have someone, uh, a, a fourth player, but... Uh, More you know, competition is a good thing. Yeah, if we don't get that, we're just going to keep going and see what happens. Um, so stay tuned. And thank you, as always, for listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate all of you. You know, we don't, it's a good point. We don't say that enough. We appreciate you all so much. All of you that are listening, um, we'd love to hear from you. But if you want to just stay and like silently listen in your cave, I'm happy with that too. I have tried to be a little bit more active on the Twitter account. Um, not working out super well, but I think I did like two tweets last week. That's pretty big. Well, you heard it here first. Our social media strategy is being revamped. So you'll probably be seeing us pretty soon on like the front page of Reddit and like front page of CNN, places like that. So getting on the ground floor. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you. And uh, we hope you all have a wonderful next couple of weeks, and we'll talk at you then. All right. Adios, everyone. Sayonara.